The hour to which the podcast adjourned having arrived, the podcast is now in order. Let's gavel in for this week's State House Takeout with the reporters on top of Beacon Hill at the State House News Service. Here's Sam Doran. Listen, listen to that. You could hear a pin drop in here. Normally bustling with activity this time of year from, gosh, budget hearings to uh, rallies and and, and activists roaming the halls. Uh, Greetings to you this Friday afternoon from a nearly empty state capitol building, devoid of much activity except for our daily coronavirus press conference from Governor Charlie Baker. That's all there is these days, Sam. And and we're still making a little noise down here in in our uh, studio as we tape another uh, Statehouse takeout. Here with uh, Chris Lasinski, our producer Chris Van Buskirk, and remotely from Method, Massachusetts, Matthew Murphy. Hi, guys. Hi, Sam. Hi, Matt, on the phone. Matt on the phone? Hey, good to be here. Hey, good to hear you. How's uh, how's uh, Elliot? You're with uh, you're with your young son, correct? I am. We had a stay-at-home day, but we're all uh, we're all good here. No no self-quarantining yet. So uh, I'll be back in the mix next week. Nice, nice. Looking forward to seeing you then. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting week, hasn't it, folks? And uh, one of the things that really jumps to mind for us is the atmosphere in the building that I mentioned. Uh, Chris and Matt and other Chris, <laughs> what's it like in, in, in this place under the Golden Dome? I think that eerie is a word that comes to mind for me. I mean, you know, there's so much activity going on every day here. And nowadays, you know, the past two days, Thursday and Friday in particular, it's really felt more like when we're here late at night for a session and almost everyone else has cleared out, except that that's happening right in the peak of the workday when you'd usually see hustle and bustle or uh, even, you know, outsiders touring the building, even if lawmakers themselves might be out in their districts. And today there's virtually none of that. I mean, there must be only a couple dozen people in this building tops right now. Yeah, and a lot of government offices have been going remote, whether it be uh, the treasurer's office, uh, AG's office is doing a lot more remote work, uh, the auditor's office is closing down. Um, eerie is the word. And that's, only gonna, that's only going to continue. We saw, you know, earlier in the week, Senate and House announcing that all legislative-sponsored events in the building had been called off, but then the Speaker's office sent a member to all of, a memo, excuse me, to all of his members uh, late Thursday night, telling them to immediately begin implementing remote work plans for their offices and to limit staff that were coming into the building. So I think the uh, the ghost town that you guys are seeing there today is something that's going to become a common sight. So uh, who hasn't gone remote yet? Who, uh, which offices are still sticking by their normal staffing plans? I think that, um, you know, the ones really closely involved in managing this pandemic crisis are the ones that we'll see around here the most. You know, the governor has been in and out at all sorts of different events, but he's been a a very frequent figure here in the building. I would imagine that DPH's offices are just about at full staffing capacity, uh, or at least, you know, trying to limit how much they're working from home, given what an important role they play right now. So, Matt, what's daily business likely to look like as we embark on the next week when we get to Monday? Uh, We're going to have, for one thing, two informal sessions, House and Senate, but what's the daily workflow going to be up here? 
Yeah, I think we're still trying to figure that out. I think everyone is still trying to figure that out. When I talked to the speaker's office last night, they were still contemplating how to move forward with sessions. Of course, earlier this week, we had been told that next week they would be voting on a $15 million uh, coronavirus aid package to assist the administration and uh, public health officials with the state's response. That, of course, passed and was sent to the governor and signed in an informal session on Thursday, taking that uh, business item off of their agenda. Uh, and, you know, like I said, the, the House is still exploring whether or not uh, the Senate as well, whether or not they can meet remotely. But in the meantime, they've asked for public hearings to be rescheduled, for meetings to take place uh, virtually or over conference call if possible. So uh, I think everyone is still trying to feel their way through this uh, new reality and what it's going to look like and what normal work is going to mean for the next uh, at least a couple of weeks. And similar moves being taken for, well, going all the way down to the town committee level of government with the governor issuing an, another emergency order uh, yesterday, right, last night, um, relative to the open meeting law. So even if you're on the town historical commission, which I happen to be, uh, you might be able to participate in meetings remotely or not have to have a quorum physically present, do live streaming, that kind of stuff. We should note, too, you know, that we're obviously interested in the governmental aspect of this, but this is something that's going on all across the state through basically every level of the economy other than maybe hospitality and retail is this sort of mass migration toward uh, working from home to try and avoid spreading the virus. Back on Tuesday, before we even had a state of emergency officially declared, morning commute times on the pike getting into Boston were half of what they were in March of last year. Uh, so it's it's I have to imagine it's only gotten quicker and easier to drive since then as everyone's really huddling up. Yeah, so that word you used earlier, eerie, to describe this building, Chris, um, that's also the word that Governor's Counselor Mary Hurley used for, for her commute in from Springfield uh, on Wednesday for their assembly. Um, so uh, let's quickly go over the very latest updates from Friday, from today, the latest we know. Um, Chris, run us through some of the latest stats. You were down at the uh, daily press conference in the governor's briefing room today, and the new number is one, two, three. 123 cases in Massachusetts as of today. That's up 15 from yesterday. Uh, you know, sort of the daily drip of new cases we're seeing. Come next week, we'll start getting more data added into the way we're regularly tracking this. As of Wednesday, the state will once a week on Wednesdays release how many people they have tested for COVID-19 uh, that week. That information was not made available to us today, despite our valiant efforts to acquire it. We're just going to have to sit and wait until Wednesday. Yeah, shout out to Steve LeBlanc from the Associated Press, who um, really had some good uh, dogged questioning. <laughs> for, uh, why Why do they already have numbers that they just aren't releasing yet? And they, they didn't really say. They didn't really give us a, a clear answer on that and basically just said that they need until Wednesday to pull this together. But uh, to back to your original question, Sam, some of the other really noteworthy news developments from today, effective immediately, almost all gatherings of 250 people or more in Massachusetts are hereby banned. This includes concerts, conventions, uh, even a bunch of religious 
uh, gatherings. You know, uh, the Archdiocese uh, of Boston is uh, uh, suspended masses, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Does not apply to schools, crucially. So there's no order from the state for schools to halt uh, bringing students in, even though many districts all across the state are taking their own steps to hit a pause on how much education they're offering and what they're doing in their buildings. But this is a uh, probably the most dramatic step we've seen taken by the state to this point. And there's going to be two new testing facilities, right? Right. Two new testing facilities coming online, having just received approval from the FDA last night. Um, remember that, you know, the FDA is the one who can greenlight other labs to do tests for COVID-19. That doesn't come from the state. That comes from the federal government. So now we'll have three, those supplementing the state public health lab and hopefully expanding the amount of tests Massachusetts can actually do every day to get a real clear sense of just how much COVID-19 is out there right now. Sure. And uh, President Trump today declaring a uh, national uh, emergency around this pandemic. Uh, and we had a similar declaration from the governor, Massachusetts le uh, level, state level uh, emergency declaration back on Tuesday that really touched off a lot of uh, the, the theme of this week, the coronavirus theme. Uh, as far as the state emergency declaration goes, uh, Matt, what does this do? Uh, what does it allow? Um, uh, what's, what's the point of an emergency declaration around a pandemic? Yeah, well, it gives the governor broad authority to take a number of steps, a couple of which we've already uh, talked about here today. Uh, last night, he announced that he was suspending some of the open meeting law regulations that you required so that uh, boards, uh, government commissions can continue to do uh, the work that they need to do, but uh, they won't need to, for instance, uh, have a physical quorum present in a single physical space Members can uh, join in remotely uh, and uh, vote remotely, which is something that they couldn't do before. Uh, now that is restricted to allow uh, them to continue the work. Uh, the governor banning large gatherings of 250 people or more, that is something that he's using uh, the power uh, that he took with his emergency declaration to try and limit the spread of the virus uh, by stopping people from uh, convening in large sporting events and other venues. Uh, so those are just a few of the things he also mentioned when he declared the state of emergency that he could eventually foresee using this to access certain buildings if they need to store medical supplies and equipment as they access uh, the national stockpile. Uh, they have requested masks and gloves and other uh, protective gear for first responders, and that's beginning to arrive. So those are a few of the reasons why he would take such a step. Gotcha. And uh, Chris, you mentioned, as we talk about some of the other things that happened earlier this week, uh, you mentioned that $15 million supplemental budget that uh, was whisked through the branches in one day. Um, where does that money go? There's sort of broad license to spend that money as public health officials see fit, right? Yep, you've got it exactly right. There's no real strings attached to that money, which is uh, in one way kind of how it got through the legislature so easily in informal sessions with no debate or opposition. It's basically just a, a blanket $15 million check for the administration to use however it sees fit to, to help manage this crisis. Sure. Uh, Matt, there was some interesting news, a couple of interesting stories this week from Secretary of State Bill Galvin, uh, one of them about the uh, impacts on uh, impacts of the coronavirus pandemic on elections, especially the special elections that are coming right up, and also the impacts on the 2020 federal census, which public officials have been stressing the importance of for months. And uh, now it's just starting amidst all these uh, fears about person-to-person -person contact. 
Sure. Well, I'll start with the elections. There are four special legislative elections coming up on March 31st. That's I think two for the House, two seats in the Senate. Uh, these are, as of right now, scheduled to take place uh, as scheduled, but Secretary Galvin has refiled or is seeking someone to help him refile some updated legislation that he's been filing since Hurricane Sandy that would give him a special emergency powers to uh, take steps such as postponing an election or moving a polling place without a court order if uh, the emergency so warrants. And you could see something like that happening with the current situation ongoing if, for instance, a school were to become a, a place that had been exposed to COVID-19 and that school was also a polling place. The secretary may want to move that polling location. Uh, he himself has talked a bit more about uh, the need potentially for the, the town elections coming up a little further down the line, April and May, when a lot of uh, communities have uh, town-wide elections and town meetings. That is uh, what the secretary was eyeing when he uh, sought to refile this legislation this week. But uh, it'll be interesting how this gets processed now because this bill will need a public hearing. But as I, I mentioned a few minutes ago, right. uh, the House and Senate have asked all of their committee chairs to postpone and reschedule public hearings on new legislation. So it doesn't seem like anything is moving very quickly, of course. Uh, we all know that they can take up anything they want in a moment's notice. <laughs> That's true. And we will see how the conversation develops around um, virtual hearings or virtual sessions and, 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 and that sort of thing. Um, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about the uh, census, though, um, because, uh, as I said, so much importance has been placed upon this, um, especially in terms of the number of uh, Congress people that we have. Um, and what's the prognostication here for... Uh, how much coronavirus might affect participation? Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. The You can't do much about the timing, but the, the U.S. 2020 census officially kicked off this week. Households across the state began receiving postcards, letting people know that they could go online uh, or by phone and start uh, filling out the census forms. That'll be followed up in early April by paper documents, and then they'll start sending people door to door. But uh, Secretary Galvin uh, stressing that people should avail themselves of the online option if they can, that that's a good option as people work from home and uh, try and practice this social distancing in the, in the midst of this outbreak. Because uh, you're right, 10 years ago, Massachusetts saw moderate growth in population, but not enough to stop it from losing a congressional seat. And that resulted in redistricting and the retirement of John Olver from the Western Mass seat. The secretary says he anticipates or, or estimates that there's about 6.9 million people living in Massachusetts now. And that would be a, a rather significant 6% increase in population over the past 10 years. And enough, he said, if they can count everyone to avoid a similar fate. But population count also impacts all kinds of things like federal, federal aid for education and transportation. And in the midst of this outbreak, not only will it be difficult to recruit census takers and get them to go door to door, but uh, the secretary noted that colleges around the state, including the University of Massachusetts and its 75,000 students, are beginning to send people home, send students home and tell them not to return to campus. And this is a big part of Massachusetts's population count and a population that the secretary is anxious to capture uh, before they all kind of dissipate and, and, and go out into the wind and, and go home to whatever state they may uh, live in. That's going to be really interesting to watch, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, uh, Chris Van Buskirk, not Lisinski. Uh, since uh, since you are our uh, resident college student in the room, um, uh, how much longer are you going to be a resident of your college here in Boston? Yeah, I don't know. For for Emerson in particular, it's a little up in the air. Um, I, I guess what I'll just say on the matter is that there's a lot of panic in the uh, dorms. At least at Emerson, kids are freaking out um, being in such closed, confined quarters. You know people so close together living together like that uh they think the virus could spread obviously it, it's it's not at my college but one can or not that we know yet, not that um, we know yet. your college is one of the few emerson's one of the few that um has suspended in-person classes but hasn't evacuated the dorms yeah. right yeah, yeah yeah and just down the road i mean suffolk university uh told their kids to move out um obviously they made an exemption for international students but yeah emerson's still keeping the kids around yeah and we're learning stuff today about umass moving to yeah. all online classes um so let's uh let's look ahead folks um uh both to what's been postponed and canceled and uh to everything everything yes matt there you go and uh and to what we might expect to see coming up next week uh, canceled or postponed, everything from the state budget hearings, St. Patrick's Day Parade, the Markey Kennedy Senate debate, Catholic masses we mentioned, federal jury trials in the District of Massachusetts. Uh, Matt mentioned the House of Representatives, public functions. I'm, I'm sure there will be some more restrictions coming down the pike in terms of other state house events. Uh, and, of course, uh, the Boston Marathon. Uh, and the wild thing, what really strikes me, the crazy thing about the Boston Marathon postponement until September 14th is that it takes our minds all the way out to September. We've had such rapid escalation this week with the coronavirus. We wonder how high the numbers will be on Monday or the following week, how bad the pandemic will be the week after that. And now we're thinking out to September. So it just kind of puts your mind in that perspective that everything is moving so fast right now, but what will the state of our public health be all the way out in September when they're planning to hold the marathon now? Um, so coming up next week, uh, Chris, um, Lisinski, uh, <laughs> what might we see in terms of uh, action around public schools? I think a lot of that still remains to be seen. Uh, what we know today is that the Baker administration is not ordering schools to close. What we know today is that uh, Boston public schools are slated to be open next week, with Mayor Marty Walsh saying that he will have more to say on that front Sunday, is still working with the district to formulate a plan. That all being said, that could change come Monday if we have a, you know, a significant change in the virus landscape. And rumors run so rampant, you know, uh, I, I follow a couple Massachusetts area Instagram accounts that are just full of, uh, you know, reposts from different students saying, oh, I heard something. Oh, I heard something. Um, uh, what else should we have on our radar? Uh, what sort of government actions might we be seeing at this point uh, coming around the corner? I think we could see further aid packages to help with this virus. We could see what ends up happening with the $11.65 million that the state will get from the federal government in a larger federal aid package provided. Um, you know, so keep an eye out uh, basically on what lawmakers are going to be doing to help the Department of Public Health manage this. And Matt, uh, we saw. Oh, go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say the other thing to look for. We saw Rep. Smitty Pignatelli. Uh, and Rep. John Barrett, both of the Berkshires, filed legislation this week uh, that would set up a fund to help hourly wage workers impacted by the virus if they are uh, forced to self-quarantine or if they are, are diagnosed with COVID-19 and have to stay home and can't work and therefore can't uh, collect a paycheck 
this would establish a brand new fund to be overseen by the administration. Uh, the legislature would have to seed it with some money as well. The, the re representatives do not recommend how much money, but you could see a push to start helping some of these businesses and some of these workers who are going to really be feeling it as, as the economy largely uh, slows and begins to shut down. And Matt, uh, Governor Cuomo down in New York uh, actually called out the National Guard to do stuff like deliver food and, and, and that sort of stuff to uh, uh, folks in New Rochelle. Um, any chance we might see Massachusetts National Guard action on the horizon? I mean, never say never. Uh, the situation in New York, obviously unique. They had a real cluster in New Rochelle and uh, they tried to basically drop a curtain around that area and contain it. Uh, and the National Guard was called in to uh, assist with that effort. We haven't seen uh, quite that kind of cluster in Massachusetts yet, but you know, this is a, an evolving situation. Sure. Well, be sure to go to our website, statehousenews.com, and we've got a great feature that we just launched this week, and this is the week to do it. It's called the SHNS Coronavirus Tracker. Uh, and the Coronavirus Tracker is constantly updated all day long with the stream of the latest uh, updates around this pandemic and how it's affecting Massachusetts state government and Bay State residents. Um, so check that out at statehousenews.com. Join us again next week. And uh, as we've been saying at the end of every podcast, wash your hands <laughs> and I guess socially distance yourself. Uh, but hey, at least the roads are clear, as you said, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Stay safe, everyone. Have a good weekend. Statehouse Takeout is a production of the Statehouse News Service. And for a daily fix of Statehouse headlines, visit masterlist.com. Masterlist with two S's. Thanks again for listening. See you next week. <laughs>